Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Good House 1968. This is Brother White speaking. What I do is read and interpret from the Tanakh and uh, minister the <clears throat> Hebrew religion of the original origin. So we have a good show today speaking about the ultimatum powers of Christ and uh, Jehovah or God or good. But what I'm going to do is open with a word of prayer first so that we may receive our blessing with the uh, Ruach HaKadosh or Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost that we may be able to decipher through the riddles of the Hebrew Bible or the Torah, the Tanakh. And be able to apply them and uh, do good actions and righteous actions. All right. If you would like to support the ministries, so that the ministries, we're not going to go on, so I'm not going to tell you that, that they'll stop. But you can support the brothers and sisters, the Bible students, getting free Bibles from me, from your purchases for all your digital products or software needs. We have all of them at my store, goodhouse1968.space, or the church store. That site, again, is goodhouse1968.space. So remember that for all your purchasing needs for digital products, uh, software products, whatever you're looking for there, we have it. We carry thousands of products. All right. Good, I petition you that you open the minds of the brothers and sisters. Even as I speak, let them be able to determine for themselves the truth of the matter. And I pray that they have the literature, the Bibles, and the utensils they need in order to do so, so that they may lead a good action and righteous action life. I pray that you strengthen them up with Holy Spirit, and as well as myself, and all those who come to listen, even if they only listen for a couple of seconds, minutes, or even even hours, that they may be strengthened up, that they may understand, and they may believe, and hold fast to this uh, the truth that I'm speaking. Because not only do I speak from the scriptures, but it was the people of the globe who alerted me to the true religion. And without them, and I speak of the things that I learned from them, and I give their interpretations as well because uh, you can't have over millions of people saying the same thing and every one of them be incorrect or incorrect. I pray that you strengthen us up and guide us this way as well as your way. In the name of your son, Yeshua, Shalom, amen, amen, Shalom. Shalom, amen. All right. We are starting off with... One of the worst forms of demonic possession is where they take you off to a graveyard or cemetery. Back in the past, they would do that. Well, they still do it overseas. It's overseas. In caves, graveyards, where the demons are in multitudes, and just a prophet alone would have a problem because of the lack of faith or belief that he would hold after seeing or be experiencing or being upon something like that. But yet, Yeshua gave us the faith and tells us, even though it's like uh, you really got to have some faith, even a mustard grain, but we must remember that. And that's why he gave us this example, a mustard grain of faith to remove. But yet, if I remember correctly, it takes a lot of prayer 
to undo something like that or to remove demons and multitudes. Yeshua, his talmudin, arrived at the other side of the lake in Gerasenes territory. As soon as he disembarked, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the burial caves to meet him. He lived in the burial caves, and no one could keep him tied up, not even with a chain. Now, here it says he came out with an unclean spirit. But from the different scriptures I've read, it makes mention of more than one spirit. And as we know, as the scripture says, when it gets that powerful, one spirit welcomes in the other unclean spirits. So whether they transfer out and just do their thing and leave, I don't know, because I can't see spirits. And I wasn't alive back then. I wasn't around. He lived in the burial caves, and no one could keep him tied up, not even with a chain. He had often been chained hand and foot, but he would snap the chains and break the irons off his feet. And no one was strong enough to control him. Night and day he wandered among the graves and through the hills, howling and gnashing himself with stones. And we still have that today amongst the mentally disabled or the psych patients doing so, or those with epileptic problems, gnashing themselves in the head, hitting themselves with things. Seeing Yeshua from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. I guess he knew when this torment was to end, right then and there upon the sight of Yeshua, and screamed at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? The unclean spirit speaks out. Yeshua, the son of God, Ha'elion, I implore you in God's name, don't torture me, the, the unclean spirit. For Yeshua had already begun saying to him, Unclean spirit, come out of this man. Yeshua asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, so assuring more than one. He answered, and there are so many of us, and he kept begging Yeshua not to send them out of that region. So they wanted to consider continue in that region where they were in power and in habitation enjoying themselves amongst the mortal souls. Now there was a large herd of pigs feeding near the hill, and the unclean spirit begged them, send us to the pigs so we can go into them. So they needed another source. So it's like uh, pain comes into the spirit when it leaves where it was normally habiting or in pleasure. Now, uh, and the herd, numbering around 2,000, rushed down the hillside into the lake and were drowned. So it says drowned. They were drowned. We don't know if it was the spirits or just the, we know the pigs were drowned. Well, as a matter of fact, we don't know that either. We just know they were sent down there to the lake and uh, it says drowned. The swinehards fled and told and told it in the town, in the surrounding country, and the people went to see what had happened. They came to Yeshua and saw the man who had had the legions of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were frightened. Those who had seen it told what had happened to the man controlled by the demons and to the pigs. And the people began begging Yeshua. And what we have to learn here is where it says the swine herds fled and told it in the in the town. So how does an animal speak? Well, we know how animals speak with their actions. They can't they can't speak out unless it's an angel speaking through them. They can't speak out uh, literally with the voice, but they uh, 
they can speak with actions. Through the actions, they would show whether it was a major crisis or something that took place extraordinary. Because we see this today when we have storms coming upon us, the animals know first. Or even the birds when they fly south for the winter. So the people who had saw this also, uh, they were so frightened at the powers of Christ. They begged him to leave their territory or their district, showing that they were disbelievers and unworthy of the miracle that they had yet seen. But yet Christ still continued performing these miracles for the sinners, the unrighteous, the sick, and the mentally disabled as well as all of the sick and the spiritually disabled. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demonized begged him to be allowed to go with him. But Yeshua would not put permit it. Instead, he said to him, Go home to your people and tell them how much Adonai and his mercy has done for you. So this is a great mercy to take on a lot of spirits, demonic spirits, on behalf of one person. It shows the love that Yeshua and God had for the people and still has today. And still is showing it by proclaiming the word or the good news of the kingdom of God. He went off and began proclaiming in ten towns how much Yeshua had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Yeshua crossed in the boat to the other side of the lake, and a great crowd gathered around him. There came to him a synagogue official, Yah by name, who fell at his feet, pleaded desperately with him. My little daughter is at the point of death. So this is an individual person who believes strongly enough in God and Yeshua's preaching, work and miracles, that he believed that he could, uh, even at the point of death, Yeshua could save someone. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. He went with them in a large crowd followed. Passing all around him among them was a woman who had hemorrhaging for 12 years. And has suffered a great deal under under many physicians. So the doctors couldn't even help her. She has spent her life savings, yet instead of improving, she had gotten worse or grown worse. She had heard about Yeshua. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his robe, showing an ultimatum of faith because she didn't even have enough heart to confront him to his face while touching him, but belief, a mustard grain of belief. And faith. If I touch even his clothes, I will be healed. Instantly, the hemorrhaging stopped, and she felt in her body that she had been healed from the disease. At the same time, Yeshua, aware that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? His Talmudian responded. You see the people pressing in on you, and still you ask, who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman was frightened and trembling because she knew what had had just happened to her. Came and fell down in front of him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your trust has healed you. So she had trust. And this is mustard grain of trust or faith. Well, trust and faith. 
go in peace and be healed of your disease. And she went in peace and was healed of her disease because she believed by holding belief, you can be healed by holding faith. While he was still speaking, people from the synagogue's official house came saying, your daughter has died. Why bother the rabbi any longer? So I guess at this point, it's time to see his ultimatum power, the ability to awaken the dead, which they had not yet seen. Ignoring what they had said, Yeshua told the synagogue official, don't be afraid, just keep trusting. So keep his trust in God and his trust in the ministries that he was and miracles that he was hearing and seeing. He let no one follow him except Kepha, Yochav, and Yochanan, Yochav's brother. When they came to the synagogue official house, he found a great commotion with people weeping and wailing loudly. On entering, he said to, on entering, he said to them, why all this commotion and weeping? He knew why they were, were in commotion and weeping. The child isn't dead. She's just asleep. So we see here death is just asleep to God or Christ. And they jeered at him, but he put them all outside, took the child's father and mother and those with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talata Kamai, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. At once the girl got up and began walking around. She was 12 years old. Everybody was utterly amazed. He gave them strict orders to say nothing about this to anyone and told them to give her something to eat. So we see here that instead of zombies like we see on the movies or what the witches have always been doing, draw you a person to what they call death or ultimatum sleep and bring him back, a zombie, someone possessed with demons, and someone mentally disturbed from so much uh, poison. This is not what Christ did. He actually awakened her from the sleep of death where the bones rot off you and the flesh rots in the grave. He brought her back from that. The henna, Hades, show hell. Then Yeshua left and went to his hometown. And his Talmudian followed. On Shabbat, he started to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They asked, where did this man get all this? Well, remember those of those who remember the sea that fell amongst the rock, how many of them actually held trust and faith to the end. Yet amazed, you can be so amazed and so wise and sound great to the prophets, but yet will you hold faith to the end and trust to the end or give your life for the meaning, for God's rules, regulations, for God's way, or good's way. What is this wisdom he has been given? What are these miracles worked through him? Isn't he just Shimon? Isn't he just a carpenter, excuse me? the son of Mariam, the brother of Yochav and Yishai and Yudah. And Yeshua said to them, the only people, the only place people don't respect the prophet is in his hometown. So he's bringing examples here of the prophets of the previous before him who were not respectable, put to death in their own towns by their own 
uh, Kohanim and their own people who lacked in faith trust, even though they saw many miracles and signs. Among his own relatives and in his own house. So he could do no miracles there other than lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of trust. So that is, it goes to say here, even still, they lacked in trust, even uh, after what they had witnessed or been through with Christ. Then he went through the surrounding towns and villages teaching. Yeshua summoned the 12 and started sending them out in pairs. So this is what, this is not a tradition, but this is an order given by Yeshua. You shouldn't go alone like you see a lot of people on the streets preaching alone. You should go in pairs so that uh, something goes wrong, you have a helping hand besides God's helping hand. Giving them authority over the unclean spirits, he instructed them. Take nothing for your trip except a walking stick, no bread, no pack, no money in your belt. Wear shoes, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. And if the people of some place will not welcome you, and they refuse to hear you then, as you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a warning to them. So we are to shake the dust. That means put them behind, don't worry about them, and don't even think about them anymore. Because they are left at their own discretion, their own rule, their own way, and yet to suffer the consequences of such actions. So they set out and preached that people should turn from sin to God. They expelled many demons and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So yet they used oil in the healing process, and a lot of people do that today. And they anointed a lot of uh, and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So even a sick person can be anointed with uh, by God's spirit. Meanwhile, King Herod heard about this, for Yeshua's reputation had spread. Some were saying Yochanan the Immerser had, had been raised from the dead. That is why this miraculous powers are at work in him. So they believed uh, John the Baptist came back. Others said it is Elijah, Hugh, or Elijah, prophet Elijah. And still others, he is a prophet like the one of the old prophets. But when Herod heard about it, he said, Yochanan, whom I had beheaded, has been raised. So even uh, Herod was bewildered because he didn't understand these works and he didn't believe or trust in them anyway. And yet so, he says, or agrees with the people as they were feeling and believing that John the Baptist had risen from the dead. For Herod has sent and had Yochanan arrested, chained in prison because of Herod, as the wife of his brother Philippi, that he was having an affair with, or had taken as his wife. Herod had married her, but Yochanan had told him, it violates the Torah for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herod has had a grudge against him and wanted him put to death, but this she, but this she could not accomplish because Herod stood in awe of Yochanan and protected him. For he knew that he was to Tzedek. To a holy man. He had, whenever he heard him, he became deeply disturbed, yet he liked to listen to him. 
So he was uh, knowing he was speaking the truth. He admired, like anybody admires a Bible reader or someone teach speaking the word of God, but yet they still can hold the fear against you and act off of it. So remember that, brothers and sisters. Finally, the opportunity came. Herod gave a banquet on his birthday for his nobles and officers and leading men of Galilee. The daughter of Heroditus came in and danced, and she pleased Herod and his guest. The king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you want, and I, I will give it to you. And he made a vow to her. So as king, he has to keep his vows when he seals it with his signet ring. Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She said, the head of Yochanan, the immerser. At once, the daughter hurried back to the king and announced her request. He felt bad and all that he had to carry this out, but yet he did. So it says, I want you to give me right now an platter, the head of Yochanan the Immersion. Herod was appalled, even sickened inside. By the regard for his oath he had sworn before his dinner guest or the other royalty, he did not want to, well, actually, he didn't want to seem weak. He did not want to break his word to her. So the king immediately sent a soldier from his personal guard with the orders to bring Yochanan's head. The soldier went and beheaded Yochanan in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When Yochanan's Talmudim heard of it, they came and took the body and laid it in a grave. So these Talmudim had experienced what Yeshua was speaking about, how the prophets had been killed before and still were being killed, even while the Christ was with them or what. Those who had been sent out rejoined Yeshua and reported to him all they had done and taught. There were so many people coming and going that they couldn't even take time to eat. So he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a place where we can be alone and you can get some rest. So he was worried about the health condition of the brothers and sisters or those who were listening. Didn't have to necessarily mean they were followers or true followers. They went off by themselves to an isolated spot. But many people seeing them leave and recognizing them ran ahead on foot from all the towns and got there first. When Yeshua came ashore, he saw a huge crowd filled with compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, how many times I have wanted to comfort you, your, uh, Jerusalem and the world, like his own children or like his own flock. He began teaching many things. By this time, the hour was late. The Talmudim came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's getting late. So they're worried about the troubles that could fall upon them in this such a area. Send the people away so that they can go and buy food for themselves in the farms and towns around here. But he answered them, give them something to eat yourselves. They replied, we are to go and spend thousands on bread and give it to them to eat, lacking in trust and faith. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and check. 
When they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he ordered all the people. Then he ordered all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So this shows the grace of God. Give you a place to sit down in a beautiful scenario, beautiful place. Grass underneath you, not stubble or rocks or things like that. They sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Then he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up toward heaven, made bracha. So he was letting him know, even though the creator was in him, that the powers, this was symbolic, that the powers are coming from above, from the creator. Next, he broke up the loaves and began giving them to the Talmudim to distribute. So this is kind of like a magician's trick in that you see five, you see two, but now you see thousands. Next, he broke up the loaves and began giving them to the Talmudim to distribute. He also divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate as much as they wanted, and they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces and fish. So as we see here, he's able to do what we as uh, scientists or physicists or we say one plus one equals two, not one plus one equals thousands of 12 basketfuls of bread and fish. Those who ate the loaves numbered 5,000. Immediately, Yeshua had his Talmudim get in the boat and go on ahead toward the other side of the lake, toward Biet to Zada. While he sent the crowds away after he had left them, he went into the hills to pray. So he's showing here, you still have to report in to the Creator. Whatever you do, you still have to report in to the Creator. Now, some people may think this is foolish, but regardless of what you do on a day-to-day basis, you should report in to the Creator. Whether it be, well, it has to be prayer every day on a continuous basis, constant, and it has to be reading the Scriptures on a continuous basis, constant. Don't let your day long out and you haven't done this. Immediately, Yeshua had his Talmudim get in the boat and go on ahead of him toward the other side of the lake. So when night came, the boat was out on the lake, and he was by himself on land. He saw that they were having difficulty rowing because the wind was against them. So we as pilots or those who uh, uh, know a crosswind or a downwind or a tailwind, we know how drastic it can be to land a plane, and then we know to stay out of thunderstorms whenever we fly. So this is something Yeshua spotted immediately. Crosswinds, tailwinds, or just downwinds. Winds going against the boat, the float of the boat, keeping it afloat, the lift, going against it to send it into chaos or to drown the, uh, the apostles. So let's see what Yeshua does and builds their faith and trust and belief up even greater or better, more more and more. He saw they were having difficulty rowing because the wind was against him. 
So uh, at around four o'clock in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the light. So we see here the power of levitation, which no one had back then, and we have today with aircraft or rockets. We have that, but yet we still don't have an actual, we're coming close to it. But they didn't have an actual person that could walk across water. He meant to come alongside them, and it probably had a spiritual meaning too, because baptism is done in water. Might have had a spiritual uh, uh, meaning to it too. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought it was a ghost and let out a shriek. For they had all seen him and were terrified. So once the demon's shrieking, now the apostle's shrieking. However, he spoke to them. Courage, he said. Stop being afraid, which we must remember God does not like a coward. He says he hates a coward because all of their emotions and actions are guided by cowardism. He got, and normally when you're a coward, you do deceitful things like the father of the first liar, the father of the first deceit, Satan. He got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were completely astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves on on the contrary. Their hearts had been made stone-like, so their hearts were... Stone like that means firming uh, towards a rock. Remember the rock or uh, uh, the uh, mountain of God? We can we know here this is more some symbolism too. After they had made the crossing, they landed again ashore and anchored. As soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized him and began running around throughout the whole region and bringing sick people on the stretches to any place. While they heard his pla- he, he was. Whenever he went in town, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces. They began, they begged him to let them touch even the tizzet on his robe, and all who touched it were healed. So here we see even more miracles in the powers of healing of God over his creation authority to do so much good and better and to do what none could do for his creation. Because you remember, he's the creator. He knows his creation more than more better than his creation knows themselves. The Purusha and some of the Torah teachers who had come from Jerusalem gathered together with Yeshua and saw that some of his Talmudim ate with ritually unclean hands. That is, without doing tamanyana diem. For the Purushim, indeed, all the Judeans holding fast to the tradition of the elders, do not eat unless they have given their hands a ceremonial washing. Also, when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have rinsed their hands up to the wrist. But remember this, this is traditions of men. It's clean to wash your hands whenever you eat or do surgery or... uh, is something that you don't want contaminated with bacteria to wash and cleanse it, your hands or yourself. But yet this is something spiritual because they were trying to put that before the ministries that the brothers and sisters were doing. 
over what Yeshua was doing and his apostles. So they were trying to put that to down them or make them look bad because of this. But yet, let's see what Yeshua says. The person in the Torah teaches that. So why don't you tell me they don't live in accordance with your traditions? Remember, traditions, we don't go or live by the traditions of elders, but instead eat with ritually unclean hands. Yeshua answered them, Yeshua was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. So a person wants his heart to be pure, loving, humble. But these uh, Perushim, their hearts were removed from that only to follow tradition, to look good and pocket the money of the poor or the foolish who gave them money to sacrifice animals for them. These people honor me with their lips or to support them, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is useless. Their worship good is saying their worship is useless, not even worth doing, because they teach man-made rules as if they were doctrines, teaching things of tradition as if they were doctrines, and this is how a lot of uh, false religions came about or were established. The Illuminati, the Masons, and uh, Knights Templar, all of that. The Rosicrucians, all of that. The high priest of the Rosicrucians who followed the tradition of the Egyptian high priest. You depart from God's command and hold on to him, hold on to human tradition. So they hold on to human tradition. This one does that, so it means that. This one did that, so it meant this, according to this. It's only traditions of men or falsehood. Something that would drive you crazy trying to do on a day-to-day basis. This must be done because you're Virgo or Scorpio or that. No, we don't go by that as Christians. Indeed, he said to them, you have made a fine art of departing from God's commands. Hear that? God's commands are not being obeyed by them. But they are parting from them and they're taking others with them. But where they're going, we don't want to go. God's command in order to keep your tradition. So they would part or even rewrite or change the laws of God just for traditions. Build up traditions. For most, he said, honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. So you children that are disobedient or those who have anger problems and anger issues, when around your mother or father, just go into a room and close the door. Stay away from them as much as you possibly can when you're angry. Because you do not want to to get uh, God's burden levied upon your head because you curse your mother or father out. But you say if someone says to his father or mother, I have promised as carbon, that is as a gift to God what I may have used to help you. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, which is not the truth. Just because you promise a gift to God that could have helped them, you could still, if you pray to the Heavenly Father, remember David, he divided, was ready to divide the baby in half. And then the real mother said, well, you could take the whole baby. I don't want to see him dead. So the same thing applies here with God. If you uh, are giving something in use for God, 
you still, if you pray to Creator, you can do something like that. Something like David did. The child wasn't killed. The child was, David determined who was the real mother and gave it to her. Thus, with your tradition, which you handed down to you, you nullify the word of God and make it zero in the hearts of man, is what they were doing, making it meaningless, something that they may just re-light and go and do a 100% or 360-degree turn in the opposite direction when it comes to their actions. Then Yeshua called the people to him again and said, Listen to me, all of you, and understand this. There's nothing outside a person which, by going into him, can make him unclean. So nothing on the outside can go into you to make you unclean, but these things of the scriptures. Rather, it is the things that come out of a person which make a person unclean. So remember that. You are not unclean whether you didn't wash your hands or you washed your hands. Whether you were baptized or unbaptized, whether you were circumcised or uncircumcised. Is what go what comes out of your mouth from your heart? Because if the heart is un- unpure, unclean, then you are unclean and unpure if you let it come out. You don't suppress it; you deal with it accordingly, the way the scriptures tells you to. When he had left the people and entered the house, his Talmudian asked him about the parable. He replied to them, "So you too are without understanding." So even the sometimes the apostles didn't understand the parables or his teachings until he explained them in full depth. Don't you see that nothing going into a person from outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, the intestines. And it passes out into the latrine or the toilet. Thus he declared off or in the ground, if you dig a hole or if you do it on the ground, it just comes out that way. Thus he declared all foods ritually clean. It is what comes out of a person, he went on, that makes him unclean. For from within, out of a person's heart, come forth wicked thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, maliciousness, deceit, indecency, envy, slander, slander, Arrogance, foolishness, all these things come from within, and they make a person unclean. So these, which I'm going to go over again, and then uh, that will be it for the ministry for today. Things that make us unclean, from, for from within, out of a person's heart, come forth wicked thoughts, sexual immorality, that means having sex with no intent of marrying or testing to see if you really have a feeling for that person. Theft, murder, adultery, greed, maliciousness, deceit, indecency, envy, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these wicked things come from within and they make a person unclean. So remember this, if the spirits were unclean, 
or they were called unclean spirits in the Bible, that meant they promoted these things. And as we can see in this world today, how they promote things, they promote it through television, the radio, through advertisement signs on the street, books, computers, advertisements on the computers, and so forth. So these things have been carried on from the day of the beginning of the fallen angels or the demons and Satan. So remember, the unclean things comes from them, not from the creator. He only rids you of these things. All right. That is it for my ministries today. All right. Uh, if you brothers and sisters would like to support the ministries, if you could, if you're going shopping for these things, you might as well stop by my store because I have uh, thousands of digital products and uh, software there at discount way low prices than you would find on the internet or anywhere else. Unless you went to a vendor like me. Or that was affiliated with the organization I'm affiliated with. That would be the only way you could purchase those things at a discount uh, price. Save yourself a lot of money. So if, you will, if you're interested in supporting the ministries, whenever you're thinking about shopping for digital products or software, go to goodhouse1968.space, and you can make your purchases there. Again, that, that website address is goodhouse1968.space. All right. Good. I pray that the brothers and sisters had a good time tonight. I had one myself. Even though I don't allow calling, it's just uh, really because uh, the financing of the Bible and the literature things I can't do right now because I don't have any supporters who are, they come in many, but yet I guess hard times prevents them from supporting the ministries, or maybe they just don't need digital products or software, or maybe it's not within, uh, not with, uh, in your heart at this point in time because God moves in mysterious ways. It's probably not within your uh, heart right now, good, but uh, I provide the ministries enough, but I'd like for them to be able to go back over in the scriptures from what I said or what I ministered about. But yet, God moves in mysterious ways. So I pray, strengthen brothers and sisters up. Take us under your bosoms and shepherd us and give us the things and utensils and tools and books that we need in order to be able to learn your word, even the understanding of the Hebrew language. I pray this in the name of your son, Yeshua, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. Shalom, amen, shalom, shalom, amen.